Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society, how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I have extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello tribe and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I'm very happy that we are alive. We're on this planet. We have heart, we have soul, we have gusto, we have power, we have intelligence, we have brilliantness, geniusness, creativity. We have just everything that we need to be the most spectacular and powerful person and nothing can really stand in our way. We have so much power. But with that power comes a great deal of responsibility. 
And that responsibility isn't just about how we operate in the world, but it's also how we cultivate our knowledge and our intelligence in the world for others, for ourselves, the way in which we bring information into the world and how rooted we are in that information, in that knowledge to support the greater whole, not just ourselves. We are at a, such a momentous time in our evolution for us to be able to move through all of the challenges that we see that are being faced every day, every moment, every second within our lives, from the friends and the family and the people we meet and the situations that are taking place in our social environment as well as in our governments of the world. We are at a point, a really strong point of transformation, even if it may seem bleak or dismal, it's not. I assure you this. You see, everything may look chaotic and have all these layers that may seem to you like they're never ever going to sort themselves out because it looks like one big giant mess. However, it is sorting itself out. Each of those layers of energies, no matter the density or greater of the intensity that it's causing for each individual person on the planet, is actually helping people step into an alignment with themselves by them being able to face off with the energies and frequencies that have been causing the great deal of distortion on our planet, have been limiting us from being able to operate at the highest level and momentum of our beings that we can because we've been weighed down by dense energies and dense frequencies that have not been dealt with, just been continuing to multiply because of the inability to go in and really look at the situations from a pure heart and from a place of clarity that the mind and the emotions and the soul can only do. The mind being a polarity organ operates in being able to see the duality as the heart is able to see the wholeness and the emotions is able to feel its way through. All of these different aspects of the being are in alignment to support us to take apart the energies that have been causing these frequencies that are out of alignment, that have been causing hurt and pain and loss and suffering and poverty and war and all kinds of things that you see on the earth that causes the great calamities that we are all witnessing at this time. All of these things are all associated to the misinformation that has been constantly circulating within the minds of women and men on this planet. The malfunction in thinking capabilities of humanity, the understanding that humanity has been operating against itself to gain clarity for the purpose of domination and power and not looking at the idea to gain clarity for the idea of helping, assisting, and lifting vibrations that have been aggressive to the human nature, aggressive to the animal kingdom, and aggressive to nature in general, and most importantly, to spirit. So this momentous time is important for us to really be able to see that we have the capability to move through any difficulty or any challenge as long as we are willing to let go of our need to attach to any type of outcome or idea of how we think things should be instead of align ourselves to that which is in the highest order for all to be. So really looking at the collective understanding of humanity and not looking at it from, oh, I want it to be this way. And if it was this way, life would be better. Well, life is great right now. 
But you have to be willing to see the greatness in life right now and find the choice of that. As you could find the choice in happiness and health and freedom and prosperity and all of these other aspects that so people, so many people go around complaining about and saying that doesn't exist in their life or they wish they had more of it. The thing is, every energy exists and what we choose to place our energy on energetically and amplify is what actually shows up and presents itself in our life. So if we're going to go around amplifying energies of lack, then we're going to be connecting more and more with more lack. And that lack itself is going to be consuming us with every type of frequency and every type of layer of lack that exists within the human consciousness, within the human behavior, and within the human intellect on how it creates its world from its thinking, from its emotional responses, and so on. We have the capability to move beyond these energies, but we must realize that everything that is happening or anything that we're experiencing is not just an individualized experience. It is a collective experience that we all opt into by where we choose to place our mind and our emotions in our daily life. The way we conduct ourselves and the way that we communicate and also the way that we operate within society and how we operate within ourselves. That being said, how do we as human beings move beyond limitation, lower frequency densities and layers of discord? Well, it's quite simple, really. We stop going into a space of feeling that we have to have some kind of mission, that we have to have this mission. Look, I know my path and what I'm doing here on earth, but it's not a mission. It's a choice of responsibility, action, experience, and engagement, and so much more. It's ability for me to make a decision every single day how I want to use my brain space technology and for what purpose and for whom and for how and for what energy am I going into. Now, if I choose to go into lack and limitation, then I'm choosing to step into the collective lack and limitation and therefore call in not only the people, but call in the energy so that I can have a personal reaction, experience, and most importantly, an understanding of that energy. It doesn't matter if I choose to bring in lack or not. The thing is, I'm actually in relationship to that energy because that's the one I keep putting my mind to and that's the one I keep investing in and that's the one I keep talking about and that's the one I keep calling people in who have the same views. And so basically, I am basically saying that I want to live in that energy. And that's really what you're doing. You are a spirit. You are choosing to choose your Take that out. You are a spirit. You are choosing to step into those energies. You're choosing to involve yourself in those energies because if you weren't, you'd stop talking about it. You'd stop talking about lack and you'd stop talking about broken hearts and you'd stop talking about uh, the things that you don't want to step into anymore. The moment you talk about it is the moment you direct your energy to it. So it's important for you to be able to recognize that you have immense power. Your power is not based upon what someone else does. It's based upon what you choose to engage in and how you choose to engage in it. The energies that you're holding on to right now in your life change all the time. They're constantly changing and rearranging depending upon how you place your mind, your emotions, your intention, your feelings, and that energy that is you upon anything. So when I say that with great power comes great responsibility, 
it's not the responsibility of you protecting the world from from the power that you have as if we were talking in the essence of superman having so much power so therefore he should have great responsibility how he uses that power instead of being corrupt and so forth what i'm talking about is corruption is created by denial and denial is created by anyone who is not operating and understanding how they are living their life and that comes through mindfulness awareness and the ability to truly pay attention to where you place your energies every single day so with great power comes great responsibility because it's your responsibility to decide every day how are you going to think how are you going to respond what things you're going to talk about where you're going to place your energy where are you going to put your intention where are you going to direct your soul to be in which which river of consciousness are you going to be treading into which ones will you be stepping into and and sinking into because you see nothing is being done to you you're doing everything based upon what you choose to accept and not accept you don't have to accept abuse you don't have to accept poverty you don't have to accept anything that you don't feel comfortable accepting and you can choose to say i rebuke that i i disagree with that i don't accept that this is not my reality you have a right to refuse the circumstances that you see and tell the spirits that you do not accept this reality you do not accept what you're experiencing and you're choosing something different and if you don't know what it is you want to choose then ask the spirits for help ask your ancestors for help ask them to give you clarity on where you should place your energies and what you should be talking about and what you should be involving your thoughts into your mind into and everything else and if you are wanting to stay in that place then that's your choice but again the idea of having power is greater responsibility not only to our community but to ourselves i love you all so much and remember how powerful each and every one of you are big kisses Hey Tribe, so the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hey everyone, and another amazing share today. We got a beautiful song title called Ascension. We all know we love that. The person who's created it is Christina B. Pearson. And that's Christina B. Pearson. Instagram handle is channel the love. And I am super, super happy because she is a dear friend of mine and I love her so much. And you're going to love her music. Her voice is absolutely angelic and she's a beautiful being. And of course, her whole family is. And I love her so much. So I'm really happy that she got a tribe share for all of us. So enjoy, 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 because I know you are going to love this. Stepping off into nothing, feeling the ground is shifting, gliding out into blue, 
Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open. But what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval 
by the tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test. No, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched. Every CEO has been met with. Every ingredient carefully looked into the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek, and I am super duper happy to be here with you in today's podcast, because for those of you who are bringing love and generosity and kindness into the world, who are really looking at people and looking at how we can create change in people's lives and bring about awareness of what we can do to better this world, you are going to love today's episode. In today's studio, I have Josh Stinton, who has been taking on the hardest physical challenges around the world in which he has little or no experience, and asked the question, why not? His efforts so far have gained him global attention and the title of charity adventurer. His two reasons for his adventures are helping as many charities and helping as many children while he's alive and showing the world that anything is possible. He is a powerful charity adventurer, three times world record holder and counting, and children's charity advocate. Not only that, he's also a friend of Princess Martha and I as well. And I'm super excited to have him in studio so we can talk about all these amazing adventures, just to give you guys a little bit of a taste of some of the things that he's already done. Okay, he cycled across the Atlantic Ocean in Grand Canary to St. Lucia, crossing the entire length of Japan using only his arms in hand cycling, okay? And if your mind isn't blown, representing Australia in the world's largest downhill unicycle race. I don't know if you guys know what a unicycle is, but I'm sure he'll explain it. Yes, I mean, he downhilled, okay? Not like going across, downhill mountain bike on one wheel, So I'm sure you can understand why it's important for us to be able to hear from this amazing man and to have him here in studios with us today because he is my friend and it's very personal to me, not to mention the fact that his story is compelling and it's important for everyone in the tribe around the world to hear this amazing man speak. So welcome to the studio, Josh. 
Well, thank you so much for having me. What, what an honor to be here. And that was a, I'm glad that was recorded because that was a beautiful introduction. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. I, you know, I go back to when we first met over the dinner table at uh, Bjork's house mm -hmm. in Norway. And I remember looking at you and I was like, oh yeah, that's my friend. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really that quick. It took pretty much no time at all. Like not maybe even sentences. We'd had like what, two glasses of water and some beautiful food with Jorgen. We were like, no, that's it. Done. And I decided myself, I'm, I'm hanging out with you guys from here on. So I hope you enjoy me because you're stuck with me. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so happy about that. I, I, you know, it's funny because I was like, yep. I was like, honey, that's my friend. She's like, I know, I know, I know. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so it's, I want to go into your, you know, because when you told me your story, when we first became friends yeah. and um, just, I've been sharing a lot of your, your Instagram with people, a lot of my yeah. friends who've just been like really amazed by everything that you're doing. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on to ancient wisdom today podcast, because I wanted people to, to know about you around the world. You know, I think it's important that, the more there are people like you in the world that can inspire us for change and for increasing that awareness in life to children, to organizations for charity is the best way we could actually utilize our time. I always say that my greatest gift in life is to be of service, not the things that I'm getting from people or not the accolades that I get. It's the act of being in service to another human being and seeing their life shine and light up. So I just want to go first into this amazing story that you told me on the dinner table <laughs> that, you know, about the, um, about the child and the whole thing. And if you can just share that with us again, so everyone around the world can just be in awe in the way that I was and the way that Princess Marta was and all of us on the table that night at dinner in Norway. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you. I, it's funny, too, because when, when you hear things like the word adventure, tagged in and you hear things like a uh, record holder and all this, all of a sudden we start to maybe put something together in our minds of someone that's very adept with, when it comes to athletics and all that. I, I, I'm not, I, I'm very much your everyday person. I actually, so I come from Colorado originally, though I live in Norway now. And in high school, I was the guy, I got kicked off the football team my first year of school, my first year of high school, because uh, I wasn't a good enough football player. I was asked to be a cameraman instead. And uh, I wasn't even good at that. So just to preface, it's, it's not about uh, being super <laughs> driven and athletic. I'm, I'm about as much your every person as you get. And the adventures kind of came into play as a way for me to find a medium to put action and energy into helping organizations help more children. Mm. I'm very, very passionate about that. So bring, bringing it right back to the beginning, and actually had, um, with respect for the time that we have today, I, I'm having to go even a bit further back from where we had met, because I remember... When I was a young man, I used to spend a lot of my time uh, during summer on the family farm. So my family, when we came from Norway, you and I have that in common. We both have family lineage to Norway. Yeah, yeah. And when, I, when my family came from Norway and we settled in the, in the U.S., we, we, there was a lot, it was farmlands. And so that's kind of where my family comes from. My family moved to the city when I was younger, but I would go back and visit my grandparents on the farm as a kid and drive around with my grandfather in his pickup truck. And we would we'd do this a few times throughout the summer where he would drive around and take food and tools to local families that he knew needed it. And I remember, I'm, to be absolutely honest, I was like seven years old. And in my seven-year-old mind, I'm thinking, why are we giving these things away? We could be selling them and I could be getting more toys. Like, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it. And I remember my grandfather was very strict. And he said, 
Joshua, his full name, so I knew I had to pay attention. Joshua, when we have the opportunity to help others, it is no longer an opportunity, it's a responsibility. And he took that very seriously. And it wasn't for thanks. There was no internet back then, so it certainly wasn't for Instagram. It was just to help others in need. And I remember seeing that as a young kid and, and learning from him in that capacity and thinking, I was just very inspired. So I've, I've tried to find things throughout life, and my family's very supportive of it, but ways that I can use my time to give to others. Because I must be honest, my friend, if I had to make a living as a farmer, I'd be a very hungry person. So I certainly wouldn't have enough excess goods to give to other people. So now I've, I've, I've dialed it back. So about six years ago, an opportunity found its way into my life. When first I met an Australian couple called, uh, named James and Christy, and they were starting a small charity called Feel the Magic that was going to help children living with grief. So if a child loses a parent or a sibling, it was a, a counseling service that helped the children know that they're not alone. Of course, it was a small charity, so it was just getting started. And, and what's the name of that again? It was called Feel the Magic, and it's very strong, yet very functional in Australia. And right about the time I heard their story, the same time, I heard about this crazy ski race in Sweden called Vasalope, which is the biggest and hardest cross-country ski race in the world, 90 kilometers long. And again, I'm not an athletic person, but I heard about this race and I remembered, I remembered this couple that needed some help with their charity. And I just started thinking of a basic model. I'm a simple guy, honestly, man. And as I was thinking simply like a half marathon model, like, you know, I'm going to run a half marathon, donate here. So I thought, okay, maybe... I'll take on this cross-country ski race in Sweden to see if I can raise some awareness and funds for the children's cause. Well, thing is, is I've never skied in my life, even though I'm from Colorado, which makes my story kind of pathetic. And uh, so I, I signed up for this race. And it took me about two years to get a ticket. So 16,000 people do this ski race every year, and the tickets sell out in about 80 seconds. And I, when I got the ticket, I then realized I had to learn to ski. Problem was, I lived in Sydney. <laughs> so, so I Googled, I, like any discerning young athlete would do or new athlete would do, I Googled how to train for cross-country skiing on land. Okay? So I found these roller skis, which in Europe and certainly Scandinavia are used quite commonly for training and skiing in summer. And I, ordered, I, I got them in through some dear friends of mine called Roller Ski Australia, this Elizabeth and Rebecca, two Norwegian women living in Perth, ordered these roller skis from them. And I was out there roller skiing around the beach sidewalks in Sydney. I mean, I looked ridiculous. I looked like a young Bambi. I had no idea what was going on. And I was wearing the shirt for the, for the charity, Feel the Magic. Uh -huh. just, I just, that's how I was training. And one day a woman stopped me and she said, I've seen you out here so often. Like, what, what are you doing? So I'm, I'm going to do the hardest ski race in the world. I've never skied. So I've got to train here on these uh, roller skis. I'm doing it to help my friend's charity, helping children with grief. And it turns out she's an editor of a newspaper. And that was about six, uh, yeah, six and a half years ago. And I, not, I had not been in the media at that time. So she said, well, I'd, I'd like to have an interview with you. It's fantastic. As long as I can talk about the charity, because that's the purpose. So that interview went well. That interview made its way. It, got, it came out. And the next day, I got a phone call from the producers of the Today Show in Australia. And... They said they were just fact-finding and wanted to know if I'd be interested to come on live TV and share my story. And I'd never been on TV before, not at the time. And so I went on air and in front of two and a half million people, I got to share my story live in Australia. They gave me seven and a half minutes. You, you know live TV, you know morning TV very well. Yeah. yeah. Seven and a half minutes is a long time in morning a TV. A long time. 
Yeah. And they let me talk not just about the crazy ski race I was going to do because I'd never skied before and all this, but why I was doing it. And because of that interview alone, over 200 families signed up for the charity that didn't know that it existed. So I thought, okay, we're already in a good way. But what's more is that interview started to make its way around. It kind of got picked up and shared around. And that interview made its way back to the Norwegian Olympic ski team. And they're the world champion cross-country skiers. I've never skied in my life. They emailed me and said, we would like to sponsor you to be uh, honorary on the Norwegian Olympic ski team to take on Barcelona, the 90-kilometer ski race. <laughs> I, I emailed them back. I said, guys, thank you. But for the removal of any doubt, I've never skied. Uh, and so they emailed me again and, uh, and said, uh, they sent a video from the world champion skier at the time, Anders Hochland. And he said, in this video, he said, we, we, we support your course. We like what you're doing and we welcome you to the Norwegian, to the honorary team for 2016. And that was it. Uh, so fast forward a number of months, it was seven o'clock in the morning, minus 17 degrees Celsius. There's a, it's Sweden. So there's an ABBA cover band playing to pump up the crowd, right? 16,000 skiers getting ready to go. And Derek, you got to, you have to see it. The starting gun goes off, the gate lifts. And I, for the first time in my life, I had skis on my feet. Because I'd never skied on snow before the start of wow. the race. Super exciting. And I met the ski team. They gave me the skis. They said, we've waxed them for you. I said, you have to wax these. And they said, good thing you found us. And uh, yeah. And so I had the skis on my feet and I pushed and I just hit the guy in front of me by accident because I never skied. <laughs> he stands up. He turns around. He says something in Swedish. I didn't know much for Swedish or Norwegian at all at the time. And uh, I said, I'm sorry, mate. I, I, I just have to, I've never skied before. <laughs> he looks at me. I'm wearing the Norwegian Olympic suit. It's the morning at the start race of the hardest ski race in the world. And he just says, he says, you, he said, you're going to have the hardest day of your life. I said, yeah, I know, but I just have to go that way. He's like, yeah, for a long time. I like, yeah. And I did it. So it, it took, yeah, so you have to do the race in 13 hours. It took me 11 hours and eight minutes and 58 seconds. And I'm the first person in the world to complete the ski race without ever having skied before. And as a result, more media came and over 500 families signed up for the charity that didn't know existed before. We raised quite a bit of money for them. And that is when I realized I had a model. So if I continue to do these, you know, kind of quote unquote crazy things, which is funny because I've never been much of an adrenaline thrill seeking adrenaline junkie type of person. But if I keep doing these crazy things and share the journey as to how I'm learning it along the way so people can learn from that, all the while doing it to raise awareness and attention for children's causes, that is a model for really good things to happen. And my friend, here we are. What, six years later, I've got five adventures under my belt. And as you said, the second one, I learned how to ride a unicycle. Took me four months to learn how to do that. And then I was representing Australia in the world's biggest off-road down mountain unicycle race in Spain. Uh, after that, I, I did the hardest mountain bike race in the world, 700 kilometers across the Arctic. We've talked about the Arctic mosquitoes up there. And, yeah, yeah the, the video that you showed me <laughs> was um, really not pleasing on any level. And no. I, time the family in Norway is like, <laughs> we're going to the north. I'm like, when are we going to the north? And it's <laughs> that my buddy Josh sent me that video of mosquitoes bigger than his hands not like one of them or two of them, but like actually a swarm of them coming to yeah. attack. And, and, and not just you and I, but the world knows that your wonderful partner, 
Martha is a lovely person, but that lovely person, the next time I saw her after that, for me showing me that video, uh, she did threaten my life a little bit for the fact that I did show you the mosquito video. Sorry, but also it was funny. Yeah, no, I mean, literally, it's hilarious. And I was, she was like, oh my God, she was like, I can't believe Josh said that, showed you that video. I'm like, what would you do? You're going to get me up there with a net suit with some kind of armor and the mosquitoes are bouncing off of my armor. It's not something I was really looking forward to, but I love, I love your personality and I love everything about you, bro. (laughs) Honestly, you know, I mean, I have a lot of respect for people like you because there's a lot of people in the world where we are today in our evolution who don't believe in themselves. Yeah. who don't feel like they have the education or the sports training or anything to become who they can become and what changes they can make in the world with who they are and what they do. And I think it's very inspiring and time-telling where we are today in our evolution to have you here today in studio to be able to speak about these, these situations that you've had ventured upon so that we can open up a conversation, if not with each other, but also within the minds of people who are listening, yep. that there is possibility and the words you can, can be a fully realized self-potential reality. And I wanted to go into that a little bit because, you know, right. we, when we were on the dinner table, there wasn't a lot of time for me to go in and ask the questions that I really wanted to ask, because of course I didn't want to hog the conversation with you and me for the rest of the night while the girls just <laughs> quiet and ate, you know, their soup and talked about whatever it is they were talking about. Uh, so again, that being said, I want to go into some of these, these ideas that come inside of you. I want to hear the yep. voice. I want to know about the voices that come inside of you. For instance, you've never skied in your life. You never cross country skied in your life, but you choose to go into this without really learning how to do it in the beginning or having some coach train you for like a long period of time so that you know that when you go in there, you are going to be the best at what you do. Because look, let's face it, in America, people don't usually step up and most people in the world don't just step up and not just America to anything without it being some idea of them knowing that they're going to be the best at it, that they've had the training, they've had the knowledge and that they have had the expertise so down that they're going to win and succeed What is the energy going on inside of you? What is the mind? I mean, are you telling me there's no negative thoughts that come in? Come on, Josh, tell me what's going on. Oh, my friend, there's negative thoughts. Of course there are, and we learn how to use them. See, here's here's the thing. This is something that I've learned in my journey. We are always writing an internal narrative about ourselves. I have learned that the person that listens the most when we talk is us. We are very connected to the story that we are that we're put, we we think we're just sharing it with the person we're speaking to. No, you're sharing it with yourself. So if you will, you can almost picture a smaller version, a, a smaller spirit version of yourself inside taking notes. Like, okay, all right. Josh said we're doing this now. All right, we're going to see if he follows through on that. And we, on a daily basis, we are either rewriting that story or we're reconfirming the limitations that we believe within ourselves. And when we're willing to step up and make a change, and I am not an advocate of, you must learn to pogo stick down Mount Everest naked backwards in order to find happiness. No, everybody is an adventurer. I I mean, just off the bat, we're all adventurers and, and, and we're all facing adventures in and of our own. 
when we're setting ourselves up to take on a new chapter in life, anything, we must listen to the way in which we're confirming our beliefs about ourselves within ourselves, about what pollution or positivity we're filtering in and out of our world. And there are absolutely, and I find them helpful. You know, there are absolutely people and stimulants all around us at all times that are either going to give you love or give you fear. And the more that we just make a conscious decision to pay attention to the love, the more that internal person within us is going to start rewriting our narrative. It's going to start saying, actually, Josh does do this now. And I'll be absolutely honest. If it wasn't for the fact that I got to meet a lot of the children involved in that grief camp and became close to a number of the families involved in that, I don't know as to whether or not I would have had a lot of drive to just go and do the hardest ski race in the world. I needed to have a purpose. And so I connected with that. And so I knew as I was rewriting my internal narrative, it was, I am willing to get up at five o'clock in the morning before I went to work every day and put on these crazy roller ski things and went out and risked my ankles. It just, because I had no idea if I was going to roll over because I had a purpose. And I think that when there's, there's an idea of playing it safe. I remember my, one of my first international interviews I had for that, that challenge in particular was in ABC studios in Australia. And there was someone from Sweden listening into it that lives near Salem where the ski race starts. And they sent a message in to the, the host and said, please don't do that without, don't do this race without skiing because it's dangerous. You need to know how to ski. You should come out to Sweden and at least ski for a, a winter first, you know, it, because it's safe. Now, I have an immense amount of respect for the, the environment of every challenge I take on. In no way do I feel like I'm just going to show up and be good at something because that's not the case. You must have respect and take the steps to learn it. Once you're willing to take that step and once you're willing to visualize that internal version of you rewriting that story and saying, we can do this, then you give yourself the permission and only you, and I know, I know you know this very well, only we can only truly give ourselves the permission to become the person in the future that we aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a conscious decision. It's not by accident. Right. You know, I really want to go into that for a second. Um, sure. A lot of things that, you know, came, uh, came into me when you were speaking. And I wrote some of them down because I really like to, you know, pontificate them and get them into my head and really cycle them through my brain. Very so, talking about this, you know, going into these things, I, I, and I want to ask you a specific question so I can just really go in and really understand how you actually shifted into that space. So what were the negative things you heard come up inside of your head when those thoughts of cross-country skiing or unicycling or all the things that you um, have done and are going to attempt to do, what is the negative voice that comes in and what does it sound like? There's, it's, there, there are many voices that come in, but I'd say the loudest voice are, is a younger voice. And that's a younger voice that says, you're not good enough. You're, you're not going to be able to do this. You've never done anything like this before. Don't kid yourself. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to hurt yourself. We don't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it is, it is a, a younger, and I feel that that comes from a, a healthy amount of, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I went to a lot of different schools as a young man, both my father, because of the careers involved. 
Um, we, we moved around a lot. So I was often a new kid. And so it was always kind of having to prove myself a lot as a young guy. And there were a lot of friends and a lot of bullies in those environments. And I remember kind of every experience that I had being a new person in a new environment, there was always people that you kind of had to win over and help understand who you are and you were worthy of being at the playground at the same time they were. And there was a lot of that that was within me of like, oh, no, 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 you're not that guy. Yeah, no, 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 you're, you're not going to do global physical events to help kids. You just stay in your lane, buddy. That's what it felt like. And still does. And, and still comes up now. So this voice still comes. Sure. And then what? Quieter. You, quieter, because it knows that it's tried many times and it, has, and it hasn't succeeded. Absolutely. Yeah, I get Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I get that too. What is it that you do when that voice comes up? How do you confront, right? Because that's the big issues that people have in the world is that they don't want to have confrontation on the outside, so they won't have confrontation on the inside. What is the confrontation that you have with that voice? And what is, what is something you say or think or do that makes it where it shuts up and you do what you're going to do? You know what's interesting is I used to feel it was confrontation that was needed, like a harsh no, telling within myself, quiet that stuff down because I am worthy of being able to be the person to tell these stories and help these kids. As time's gone on, I've learned, and I think that it's a direct contributor to why they've gotten quieter, is I just, I kind of thank them in a way. I just, I acknowledge that these, that these, you know, that energy exists. And it's like, thank you for letting me know that I'm doing something that's going to be a challenge. Thank you for letting me know that I am on a path of creating something that I know I will be proud of because I've done it before. I've got that internal narrative, right? I'm, I'm already rewriting that story. I have proof within myself. And it's almost like if that voice wasn't there, I'm going to go, I'm going to go so far as to say something a little bold. I hope it never goes away because I think that there, there's, there's a nice way to make friends with your fear. And I think once you make a conscious decision to become friends with your fear, you can't harm you. You're there. You thank it for being there and you use it. And it's like, oh, you know, it's like you're, if you visualize going off on a journey, you're packing your bags, you're joining the boat, you get on the boat and you set, you set sail and you go off. And if fear wasn't there, your boat isn't at capacity like it should be. So I like that because that's still a form of confrontation in shamanism. We still see any form of engagement or confronting something, but it doesn't mean you have to confront it with anger and fear in the way that it's showing up. And I think that was brilliant what you said. And I was actually looking for you to say that. And I'm really glad that you did because (laughs) confrontation, you know, the way that I deal with things that show up for me when I'm dealing with major situations, like where I'm being asked to go into countries where there's war or there's bombs, you know, and my family and friends are like, why are you, why would you do that? Like you could be in this country, you could be in that country making change but you choose to go to Israel, you choose to go to Turkey when ISIS is going to be in the same place where you are, you choose to engage and talk about things when you know you can spend five years in prison because the president of that country can't stand you. Mm -hmm. Like, you to go to these places. And for me, I get this voice that comes in that's like, you're going to end up in jail, they're going to kidnap you, they're going to kill you, you're going to be murdered, you're going to burn, they're going to burn you alive because I've seen live burnings, you know, they're going to burn you alive. All these different things because you're speaking against what they want people to know, or you're talking about things that you're not allowed to talk about in their country, and you're in the midst of a war. And one day you could walk out the door or go into a situation and end up getting in a crossfire of some bombing or some whatever. And what I simply do is go, I love you. 
Thank you for sharing. And I understand that you obviously care about me, Spirit, that you want me to know about all the horrible things that could possibly happen to me. And, And thank you. And then I take that energy and I go forward. And I've learned to do that. Even when doctors were like, oh, you're Shaman Durek, you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. You're going to be on dialysis for the rest of your life. You know, you have brain damage. You're never going to be able to use your legs. And I was just like, okay, thank you. Thank you for letting me know what you're experiencing, what you see, what your fears and your, your ideas are. And then I ultimately get to make the decision from where I go from there. And I think that destiny is not by chance, but it's by the choices you make. And when you align your choices to you, not to someone else, not to some voice in no. your head. Yep. And so, you know, I think that's very powerful. But there's something else that you said. And I want to just go ahead and fire back in. Mm-hmm. And what you said was, and I, and I believe very strongly in this because I am an ambassador for Nelson Mandela and Kofi Annan. And I'm very close to the, um, the Annan family in Ghana. And, you know, one of the things that I feel very strong about is a lot of the teachings that Dr. Martin Luther King had and Nelson Mandela and Kofi Annan, which is the understanding that you can't truly find your position in life until you actually feel the suffering and pain is when you find the passion and the purpose to create change. That has been like my anthem to my whole life. Yeah. And you said something about that. And and what you were saying is that you probably wouldn't have gone through with this whole experience until you actually saw what this was about. How did that impact you internally and externally for you to make a jump into something without having any clue about what you were doing, but it was enough because the pain or the hurt or the feelings of love was so more stronger that outweighed the fear. Can you tell me about that? It was a new experience for me in a way. And that's why I said it, it feels a little funny sometimes. So, you know, if I go on the, on a show or TV or however, and just talking about adventures specifically, because it's, it's more than that. There's been a lot of experiences throughout life before the challenges that have built up in these, in, in those decision-making pathways that we take on to feel like, okay, this is, new territory for me. This is scary. Um, I'm going to be able to take it. I think there was a lot of benefit for me moving around as much as I did as a kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was certainly, well, there was certainly pain um, and frustration in that. Uh, There was a lot of growth there. And I think, again, it it does, it just continually goes back to, I ask myself this question on a regular basis. And that, that is, if my life story is a book, is it a book that I would love to read? If I wouldn't love to read that book, I need to pick up the pen because I am the sole person responsible for the narration of that book. And you feel it, you know, like when you ask yourself that question and and I invite any listener to to do this within themselves and think about their life stories of book, because sometimes it's really hard for us to make decisions while we're in the moment and we're in the weeds and we're feeling the pain of the, the opportunity costs of choosing this path over this path. And, it can be really difficult. Rather, I invite you stand out of it and look at it as if you're, you are a character in this book. That book just happens to be your life. And if you were loving the way that book was going, you, I mean, we feel it when you're reading a book, like you, you know that you want that character to do the same you go for the big story or for the emotional one or for the loving one or the sacrifice or whatever. You're actually writing that. If you have 
two opportunities and you just play it out in your head like a choose your own adventure book like we used to look at when we were kids my favorite book by the way they're super good yeah turn to page 62 and you know fantastic well we are a choose your own adventure book and if we look at that and go okay if the lead character then chooses to do this how do i feel about this book because you remember when we were younger and you turned to page 62 and you're like oh uh, shouldn't have chosen this one go back (laughs) yeah no gotta go back but the thing is, we don't go back in life in a way. We, we have an opportunity to make sure that we're choosing the right adventure as at those intersections. And we know that when we take that one decision and when we know, oh, yeah, if the character does this, I'm going to be loving turning these pages. This is going to be exciting. I pay attention to that. And again, for all of us, we're all fired, are fueled, and we have fire for different types of stories. So it doesn't have to be choose the path that has the most adventure. It could be choose the path that has the most love. Choose the path that has the most sacrifice if that's what you need in your life. Whatever your next chapter is, be consciously aware of what that is. And if it's love that you need, or if it's self-care, choose that path. Sometimes it's not adventure, but it's just, I think we must be aware as we're narrating that book and as things come up, because we are always, as I said, every single day, we're either rewriting we're reconfirming. And as we're rewriting, I think we just must be aware of that. So yeah, if your life story is a book, make sure you'd love to read it. I love that. You know, I was taking some uh, notes when you were speaking because you speak so poignantly in your words, in your wisdom. It's oh. so um, impactful and potent. That's that a beautiful compliment coming from you. Thank you. I, it's a lot for me to be, uh, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> If I'm sitting here like notes, 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 that's a big one because usually I'm like, oh, goodness, goodness, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and I'm uh, who I bring on the podcast for I that reason because I, I need to feel something that's not even spoken about or that's different and unique that's bringing new information to, to the playing field of life to the mental uh, landscape, to the emotional intelligence. And so when you're speaking, uh, you have me writing, so I'm definitely involved in what you have. <laughs> a brilliant man, my friend. Love it. Thank you. Right back to you, my friend. Thank I love you. that. So again, we're talking about, you know, what you said, and I made some notes. You said, would I read my life story if it was a book? And I think yeah. that's so important when we think about it. And one of the things I added to that was, what kind of book would it be? Yeah. Right? And then playing off of that, what is the message you want left behind for your legacy after this book is read? Correct. Correct. And I think, I think that those key points is necessary. And then what I took from what you said as well is really looking at life from these individual vignettes, these aspects of them that, like you said, you were talking about the choose your own adventure, which is actually, I bought the whole book set again. And um, Did you? yeah, of course. <laughs> when I come to visit, I, I, we're going to read some of these. I'm excited about that. The whole thing. What is your chapter right now? And I think that being as a golden writer and what I call the golden writer literally is the creator who writes oneself into form or writes oneself into being or into mastery or into a God, which I think is really what I think creation's asking us to do is to learn how to be that golden writer and write ourselves into mastery, into form, into being, and into this creator. 
right? And so we're either writing ourselves into this beautiful energy or we're writing ourselves into something completely different. And what I love about that is what chapter are you on now? And really looking at our lives as this story and what kind of chapter are we writing right now? Is it yeah. the title of that chapter? Yeah, and, and, and what do we need in that chapter? What yeah. do I need? What do I need to service me that I can be the best in this chapter going forward? Because there's a lot of things. I, I became a master of the last chapter, possibly. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a master of the next one. Like, really? what does, you know? Yeah, brother. What do you need? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then also I think there's a point in life, and I want to ask you about that, right? Mm -hmm. It's that there's a point in life where we have to get out of seeing ourselves as the energy of reward, meaning that we have to get out of this idea that our lives are about only getting accolades and getting you know, the rewards and getting, you know, famous or this or that, but understand that those things are washings to the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is being of service. Correct. Nailed it. Of service. Being of service. So that being said, what is your thoughts on that? Where we are today in the world, we are being pumped with everyone wanting to be a celebrity. Everybody wants more likes and loves and more hearts and and kisses and more accolades and more things. Do you feel like that is clouding the conscious spirit that knows that its value is antiquated in beingness versus it being seen and acknowledged because it knows it already exists? So the act of service is is the atoning energy or the atonement of spirit's divine gift to each and every one of us, through us, and as us. What is your thoughts about that? And that's how the system works. I think, for me, it's, I like to look at life through models. That's why I like the book. That's why I, you know, I like a, a lot of the, the challenges that I take on the models, the work that that brings out through, through me. It, when looking at service, I guess we as people should really, and you shared with me some beautiful stories of it, in people in particular in your family that I know you look up to, and I look up to now because I've heard some of these stories. I think that if we just exhale a little bit and we don't just look laterally, we don't just look along the, along the ways, and that, that being celebrities, TV, Instagram, and all that, because those are tools, but we have to make decisions as to how to use those tools. So that's one thing. But think a little bit more. I mean, certainly I know who I'm speaking to, and I know you know what you're talking about when it comes to this. Think of where we came from. Think about even the generations before us and the people that, if we hadn't met them, the stories we hear about them, or if we have met them, what were the behaviors that really stood out? Because as I just shared with you, my grandfather, Wesley Stinton, he was a very, and he still is very strong in my world. And it would not be for likes on Instagram. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it doesn't even make sense. It's just to know that your time that you're spending is sending goodness out. And he, when I was young, he always used to say, always error on the side of humor, because at least you made someone smile, you know, and find these role models in your world and emulate them, you know, because we certainly have them around us now. And I'm very lucky to be friends with yourselves and certainly your partner and a lot of people that we have in our world, because I like having people close to me that I do respect their worldview find those people and identify 
What's the gap between their behavior and your behavior right now? And, and, and don't be harsh on yourself because I, we all do it. You know, we, we have downtimes. Sometimes we get caught up in stuff and sometimes, oh gosh, there's a whirlwind of activity around something. And then you look around like, wow, I paddled way offshore on this one. What am I doing? <laughs> I get back. You know, it's okay. But where, where are your, where are your measuring sticks? You know, where are the models that you're holding up to? And I'm very fortunate to have some very good ones in my life and some very strong ones in my family and my, and my background. So that's, that's what I hold on to. Rarely is it opening Instagram. Absolutely. I love, I mean, you we have to play the, the game of social media because that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the way that we get our message out to the world. Correct. About bringing a conscious level of engagement in how we're inspiring, delighting, and opening up people to see the potential of what they, who they are, what they can do, and what they can you know, shine and radiate through their being, which I think is really important. And um, I'm very happy to have you as my friend as well, too. And uh, it's great. You know, I think it's interesting when we think about it, because you were talking about something, and there's something we say in shamanism, which we say that the key to being spiritual or the understanding of spirituality to us is governed by relationship. And it's governed by the understanding of that relationship. But we look at it from the perspective of look at your family, look at your ancestors, look at the places where they were, and look at the places where you can go where they haven't gone. Then we look at your friends and look at the, where you, what they are reflecting and are you in alignment to that reflection and, and are you asking your friends how they see you in that alignment to your reflection? So that way your friends are always the mirror or your circle of influence that you're keeping shows a great deal of all the many faces and personalities that you carry. And, then, and then we say, look at your loneliness, your alone time. And when you're lonely, when you're alone, what do you do with yourself when you're in that space? And how, how much darkness will you travel into to see more of your light? Because we say that you cannot Ooh. see your light. See, now you're writing and thinking. Yeah, I, I am, yeah. <laughs> I'm going for it. I'm not, I'm not surprised, you know. <laughs> I'm not surprised either. <laughs> I love you. Um, you too, man. Like the thing is, is that if we are able to realize that the light of our beings is useless, if it's just sitting in the light and that in order for us to truly create a purpose for our light to shine, we have to go to the void. We have to go into deepest, darkest places of space, of consciousness, of emotion, of interaction or whatever it may be to shine our light from that place so that we can see and experience our light. Because being, when people say, when I hear people say love and light, light beings, this, that, and the other, I don't think they quite understand the level of conscious responsibility that it means to be a being of light. Because being a being of light means that the only way that you can continue to be that being of light is to be able to radiate and shine like a sun. And what does the sun do? Well, as Rumi says, the sun is a cook in the sky, right? So it cooks us. So if the sun is cooking us and we look at the sun as this brilliant light that opens up light into a dark space of the universe and gives life in that dark space to grow, then what are we doing if we're just hanging out with a bunch of people saying love and light? Oh, my God, you're so amazing. Oh, my God. Da, 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 da. But sure. we're not to engage in that space of darkness, that void, that place of emptiness and fill it. What are your thoughts on that? 
I absolutely resonate with that. And again, it goes back to, now I'm, I'm quoting my grandfather throughout this entire show, but it goes back to what my grandfather says when I was younger. If we have the opportunity to help, it's not an opportunity, it's a responsibility. And if we're starting to find ourselves, if we're at a spot in our book where we are in a position of strength, then it's not your opportunity. It is your responsibility to take that light and go to some places dark and help in that look and help in that environment. How sexy is that? How beautiful <laughs> is that? Absolutely. It's, you know? and, it's, and, 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 and honestly, it's simple. You know, because some, and sometimes we're not, as we know, to be honest, I even feel it in my chest a little bit. The idea of, of needing to be light at all times, that's exhausting. And it's not fair. Sometimes we're not there. So, and I wrote that down, look at, look at your loneliness and understand what you feel like when you're there. Because sometimes you go into behaviors of loneliness, even if you feel but you're, you're not lonely. There's, I have a trigger and I'm happy to share it. I have a trigger when I'm starting to feel lonely. If I'm starting to feel like I need to just pack in and just be Josh for a little bit, I don't know what it is. But I start looking at my wardrobe and I start thinking, I got to get rid of stuff. I don't know what it is. But when I start to feel like it's like this minimalist comes out of me. And when, when I'm starting to critically look at my clothes, then I know I need some time. <laughs> but we have that. And then, but I know that's my trigger. And if I have that, then it's like, hang on, I'm not, I'm not in a position. It's going into the dark's going to be very, it's going to be too expensive for me right now. And that's, it's only fair to me. And it's only fair to others around me that space so it's just being aware of that yeah i'm gonna um yeah i definitely you don't have a shortage of uh bathing suits that's for sure that's i saw, I saw <laughs> your underwears and your your, your <laughs> bikinis that you go jumping into the water with i was showing it to what some of my girlfriends who have a big crush of you over here and they <laughs> well he doesn't have a shortage of uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I got to know the guys at Budgie Smuggler, uh, the kind of the, the Australian competitor to Speedo really well. And as a result, they just kept throwing these things at me. Don't you dare think that I've forgotten as well that you owe me a jump in the cold sea. So I have a pair of those at the ready when I come visit. I don't think the, the sea's going to be cold enough where you're at, so we're going to have to meet somewhere else to do that. But that's still on the list. Uh, you know, I thought I said, maybe he's forgotten by now. Oh, no. Oh, no, my friends. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I will not. Well, you know, I think my fear that I'm actually loving into is that I, I swam in the Sifra. You know the Sifra? I do not. So the Sifra is in Iceland. It's the coldest water in the world. And... Mm-hmm. It's it, you swim you, you you swim through the glaciers. It's got the highest clarity of water. And one of my friends owns one of the biggest diving companies in Iceland. And as a gift to me, this was his gift. His gift to me was to come over and like have dinner with me and be like, Shamandura, you know how much I love you. And I, I really want to offer you and your whole team this opportunity that people travel from all over the world to come swim in the coldest glacier water and go through the Sifra. And I was like, uh, yeah, well, just to let you know that people who have dark skin, we're heavier in water, especially cold water. We sink to the bottom immediately because of our bone density. So, and he was just like, yeah, okay, I hear you. You know, like whatever, Shaman Dirk. But, yeah. uh, and then my, of course, my assistant, who's now my business manager, Sam was like, oh my God, I'm flying to Iceland tomorrow. He's giving us this. I'm flying. So all my team flew from immediately when they heard about it. And I told them, oh yeah, he's giving us. They all looked it up and they all flew to town and they're like, we're doing this. So I go, first I was like, no, you guys go without me. It's fine. But then they're like, it's not going to be cool if you don't go because I'm going to feel really sad that you didn't get to be a part of this experience with us. 
So I was like, okay. fine. So we go and they give you like a dry suit, but it's not really that dry because your hands are still exposed and so is your face. Correct. And so you go in and they basically said that if the water wasn't moving, you would freeze to death immediately. The touch, the moment you hit the water. So I was like, great. This is wonderful. I'm so excited for this. This is going to be the best in time in my life. Yeah. So I go in. They the, hit, so uh, the internal narrative inside of you is just going, what are we doing right now? <laughs> what yeah. is the story we're writing? And the difference between light-skinned people and dark-skinned people. So let me give you how, how a, a Black person's mind operates, okay? So the way we look at things is when we see people go on safaris and they go on safaris and we're like, oh, wow. Usually people who are white, they go on safaris and like, honey, let's get the boat closer to those hippos so we can get a closer look, okay? Here's a Black family. Where are the hippos, the lions, and everything else? Oh, they're over there? We're going to be on the other side. (laughs) Okay? It's like, it just does, because we are raised to go into survival with with ourselves, to to what we call preserve our heritage, preserve our our seed, our, our, our core. You understand? So anything that looks like it could cause danger, we tend to go the other way. Just those, just some cultural understanding there. So I get into this water. <laughs> the moment I hit this water, it is so freezing cold. Now, I can handle cold water because I get Wim Hof is a friend of mine. And, uh-huh. you know, he got me into this whole cold shower thing. And, you know, and he's uh, singing songs. He told me to sing. He sings me these songs and stuff and tries to get me to, like, do this breathing and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, great, Wim. I love great, it. Wim. Yeah, yeah. You know, great. I can take my cold showers. But this was so cold that I felt every ice taking over my body. And I had to literally go to the ancestors and tell them, I am dying. Don't you see what's happening? And they're like, call upon Kwesalakote from the Mayan temples and they will bring the fire sundials into your body. And literally I did. And the heat started warming up my body, which was great. But I kid you not, this thing is so long to swim in. You have to swim through this whole channel. And finally, my, my assistant, who was now my manager at the time, my business manager at the time said, I think I'm getting frostbite. I think, no. I think uh, but it was so cold. So when I think of that memory, because it was so intense for me, that's what I go back to. So I'm thinking, okay, he wants me to jump in this ice cold glacier water where he, where he takes his little thing and chips away the snow or the ice that's on top of a lake or something and wants me to jump yeah. in the hole. But this time I don't have a, a dry suit. This time it's just me and my naked skin. Just you and the skin. First of all, my penis is going to shrivel up to a tiny little pee. That's <laughs> and the question is, will it come back? Who knows? That's, yeah, there's no after photos. There's only before photos. So that's a, that's a common understanding. Yeah. There we go. Yes, we've seen those with you. And <laughs> <laughs> I told my girlfriend, don't look at the pictures afterwards. Look at the ones before. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Martha looks at me with such a sense of pity sometimes. Like, oh, this poor man. <laughs> Martha's so funny. She's like, there he goes again. <laughs> She's like, check on your friend. What's Josh doing? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's jumping. He's, he's, uh, I saw him with some kind of pitchfork and he's going and he's chipping away at the, the some polar bear ice and like, Jumping in and, uh, you know, it also scares me about that is I see these crazy movies where you jump in and the current grabs you and now you're stuck under the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that you must be careful of. And especially, so when I, when I do go under ice, 
there's always a ladder involved and I stay on to that. So it's not, you don't dive into that. And you, and if you are going to go down where your head's going to go under, take a rope, you know, and have a buddy and never go alone. You know, so you, you have, there are systems in place. And again, like I said, with the sports, with the challenges you go into, you, you, you pause and you think, am I going into this environment with the respect that's deserved? And yeah. And, and that's it. I can see it in your eyes. Like, yeah, Josh, you're doing that, but then you're wearing these tiny little swim jorts and going under the water. So are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going in uh, tiny little speedos. I'll tell you that, but I'm definitely going to wear some. We'll, nice- see. We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see, buddy. <laughs> but I do know you want it. I'm going to do it and I'm going to film it and I'm going to share it with the world and let them know that I have conquered that fear and going in. And so, so how long would I stay in? So I just go in or is how, how long do you stay in? How long do you expect it's, me to stay in? Well, no, I expect you to stay in as long as you feel is appropriate for you. But I, I like to go down. Um, I'm at a point now where I'll get in there for about two minutes and actually be in hold the ladder and that's head above. And now if we're talking, if there's thick ice, then you go in and stay in at that level because then it's no different than your body reacting to panic. You know, just like you said, you're connected with Wim Hof. I, I'm familiar with a lot of his work. Um, I was on a, 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 not the same time, the same podcast as him. So I, I saw a previous episode before mine and I connected with a lot of the stuff that he had to say and this fantastic work that he's done. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's not but and for me, getting down into the water and just letting my body feel that panic because it's the exact same replication of panic and fear and you're giving your body safe. Now, for the listeners, I'm doing air quotes, but it's a safe um, environment to allow yourself to exercise that panic and fear and to breathe through it and to be okay. You know what my favorite bit is, though? It's not so much being in it. My favorite bit is when you get out and you have your towel there. And of course, I'm in Norway, right? So there's always wool clothing and all that. So you have your towel there and your wool, and I don't let myself run straight to it. It's a slow walk, slow process. And that is my favorite part, because I think that's where a lot of the growth comes from. That's where a lot of the learning comes from, because certainly we could dip into cold water, get out, and fair enough, because it's cold but then sprint over across the other side of the deck and quickly put this on the center. And then we give it up. It's at that moment we choose to give up our power. But when we just maintain it, walk with it, breathe with it, put one leg in the wall at a time with it. And then as things, not when, as things in life, or not if, but when, and as things come up in life, we know that we can contain that, that pace, that calmness. It's, it takes practice. The most important thing here, no photos after the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Photos after the ice, because that's not how we're packing it. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Oh, so good. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to do it. And Martha keeps making jokes every time she mentions it. She laughs and giggles because she's like, I can't wait to see the day. And I'm like, you know what? what? That doesn't make it better for me because you look at me about it, you know? But I'm going to do it. It's just like, and I'm gonna I'm, and I'm gonna practice the art of walking slowly and putting on my thousand many layers of clothes. So yes, I don't. Yes. But I think it's I think it's amazing who you are and what you do. And now I want to talk about your next challenge. Because sure. now your next challenge. So tell everyone in the world because people would need to get in touch with what you're doing. They need to follow you on 
Instagram. We need to get in touch with Josh and his amazing gifted adventures. And the reason why I call it gifted adventures because he's not just doing an adventure. He's doing an adventure that creates change and it's gifting mm-hmm. something to the world, be it whoever it may be or whatever charity it may be. Something is being gifted. And it's also he's breaking through the barriers of what we can't do to what we can do. So mm-hmm. tell me about this next challenge, brother. That's, I really like the phrasing about the gifted adventures. So this next challenge is to support a charity called Right to Play uh, that's founded here in Norway. And is, uh, it's, they're helping protect, educate, and empower children in need around the world. So I aligned with them. And so as a note, because often these questions come up, I, 100% of all donations and all money that gets raised goes directly to the children's causes. So this isn't an earning activity for me at all. But I, So I decided to help them help at least 10,000 kids around the world access education, especially now during COVID times when there's times where they certainly need facilities and technology and ways to stay engaged, particularly young women, because when young women don't have access to education in developing areas, they often get ushered into lives that they would prefer not to have. Absolutely. I agree. So aligning with them, here's, here's where the turn has gone in my life. I, so when I was kind of listing the challenges before, I got up through the, the mountain bike race with the, the infamous Arctic mosquitoes. Now, from there, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm not, I had no, 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 no. <laughs> I have it forever printed not to ever go there. Yeah, with, with Martha's voice. I know. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm urging you on the other direction. Like, stop listening to Josh. They are fine. Uh, yep, yep. I, so I don't want to, uh, yeah, harm my invitation to come visit. So I'll, I'll stop talking about mosquitoes from there. Sorry, Martin. Always be, you always have a room in my house, brother. Thank you, brother. Likewise. And um, so I, what I did after the mountain bike race is I started to get playful with the idea. So I think the, the elements of play are so important that we never lose. And I started thinking, you know, everything that I'd done so far was an organized race. So it was something that I had to sign up for. All the logistics were covered. I, all I had to do, again, air quoting all, was learn how to do the skill. And the, but everything else was sorted. And I started thinking, what if I started to do things that you just imagine? And so that's when the, I, I had the idea of crossing the entire length of Japan using only my arms. And, and I did it, found a hand cycle, started in the far south uh, region, a far south area called Cape Sata. And it took me 22 days, but I hand cycled 2,112 kilometers. Sorry for the Americans, I, I still speak in kilometers living in Europe here. But, they, can, um, they can do the changeover. They can do the changeover. And, um, but I, and I hand cycled all the way up to Cape Soya in the far north. And that was my first experience. So that was to help a lot of children and families uh, that are in need of support during all the natural disasters in Japan. I had no idea that Japan had over 150 earthquakes a year. Yeah. And so there's constant resilience measures happening over there. The Japanese culture has a respect for me that I, I didn't even know I had it myself. They are just incredible and lovely. And so that experience showed me, well, this is interesting. We can start to do things that have never been done. And I gave a talk. So uh, as a Part of my, the career side of my life as a keynote speaker, I was flown to Mexico, I was in Cabo San Lucas, and I was giving a talk to an adventure community, talking about my challenges. And I had said everything I'd done up to that point. And a couple of guys from the audience came out and said, hey, we're going to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. Would you like to join us? And I said, yeah, that's really funny. I've never sailed in my life, but I've always wanted to bicycle across the sea. One thing led to another. I spoke with the, the captain, Matt Pinsley, and, and some engineers, himself included, and we designed the world's first bicycle gimbal. So 
the bike stayed straight no matter what the sailboat did under me. And I cycled 6,434 kilometers in 14 days to cross the ocean, which was incredible experience. And on that journey, uh, you and I could have hours of discussion and I would benefit from your, your views on what I experienced uh, from that sailing trip alone, being out there on sea, nothing but ocean and sky for two weeks. It was an amazing experience. But one thing that called out to me, it was a few days in, I realized there's no birds and I haven't noticed any planes. Of course, there's no birds. There's nothing for them to land on, right? And so about there, and then I started thinking, because I was on the top deck of the ship, cycling along, kind of delirious as well. And I started thinking, how have we played with this guy as humans? How have we interacted? How have we engaged to leave the ground? And then I thought, you know, how interesting would it be if a person could find a way to power an airship, and I'm thinking like a blimp, like a helium-filled blimp. Like a blimp. Exactly. Yeah, like a smaller version of, exactly. Um, it, yeah, perfect illustration. And then, well, because I was out in the middle of the ocean, I didn't have internet. So once I got over to St. Lucia in the Caribbean, first thing I did when we docked is I Googled it. I was looking at, has anyone run through the sky? No, uh, there's no, been nothing like that before. And so when I flew back to Norway... <laughs> This was brilliant. I got back home. I looked up the Norwegian Civil Aviation Authority and I called them. First phone call I ever made about my new challenge because now I want to be, as I've just kind of leaked out there, I want to be the first person in the world to run through the sky. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I called. I called the Norwegian Civil Aviation Authority and this this lovely woman answers the phone and I I said, hi, uh, my name's Josh. I'm an adventurer and I... I'm going to be the first person to run through the sky. I just need to talk to someone about how to get a permit for that. <laughs> she just starts laughing. I thought, I thought she was going to hang up on me. And she just says, uh, one second, I'll transfer you. So she transfers me to a gentleman who's the head of the Aerospace Civil Aviation Authority. Told him the same, he loved it. And he said, well, you must be serious about this, though. Are you an engineer? Said, no, I'm not. So you're not allowed to build it. So no, you're And he connected me with uh, well, he recommended me. I connect with NTNU. So through a dear friend of mine, Frodo Anderson here in Oslo, I connected with NTNU and got in touch with the head of their technical engineering. NTNU then connected me with a gentleman in NASA. So on my team is the previous director of the International Space Station. Um, so I'm working with him and some of his connections and some engineers in England. And now uh, we have a full documentary being made around it as well. So that's an update since we spoke last. Very excited. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to say the woman I'm working with on the documentary, her name is Natalie Humphreys, and she's the previous director, or she's the previous producer for shows like Blue Planet and Planet Earth 2. So she's done some pretty fascinating things. So working with her and learning from her has been an absolute experience. Just lovely. Amazing. Super good. And also loving working with her because it's not just that the focus isn't just about the crazy adventure. It's about he's doing this to help these kids. Exactly. And this is what that looks like. So, because if, if the cause wasn't included, I wouldn't care about the show. Yeah, I, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah, we're, we're no, we have no shortage of adventure shows on Netflix. No, no disrespect to adventurers out there. All, all great thing, women and men in the world. But uh, it's got to talk about the cause. So that is what we're up to now. So I'm I'm following my passion in inventing things, and in the process, I'm learning. And you've been very helpful in that learning process, my friend. Thank you. I'm learning how to convey messages that help people learn from my experiences. 
and I very much appreciate the check-ins I get with you on, on my, in my learning journey. But as we're bringing new ideas to life, because as we've discussed now for the past hour or so, we have it within us to bring these. We just need to have, give ourselves the permission to do it. And yeah. now I'm using these challenges and these kind of invented adventures, these gift adventures, as a way to prove to the world, you know, this guy that got kicked off the football team when I was a kid <laughs> with the right mindset and a strong adherence to my vision and purpose, you can do anything. You truly can. As far as I'm concerned, man, I'm just getting started. I'll rock through this guy. I know there's so much more to come. I know. I know you are. And and another thing I'd like to share is I'm I'm also working on a a program to be able to help fund other people's adventures. I want people to have the experiences that I've been fortunate enough to have, but it doesn't have to be my face on the TV. I would like someone else to uh, other, many other people by the time I'm done on this earth to have been able to have access. If it's a funding issue, if it's a, if it's a networking issue, connections or know-how skills, I would like to help people pave the way to create adventures of their own to support causes that are passionate and close to their hearts. So that's, that's my, I think that's my, my job here. I think that's wonderful to have an LL legacy leadership. I think that's important. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe in the same thing. My whole thing is also to, to be able to pass on my knowledge and expertise so that not just one person, but millions of people are fully geared up in how they operate in their mindset and the way they you know, live their lives on earth. I love everything that you're doing. I think you're amazing. How can people get in touch? How can people support the charities? How can people find you? What Tell us it all. I, I appreciate that. And the majority of the journey is being shared on Instagram. So that's on mine, at Josh Stinton. On the, on the link there, you're going to see a number of different links you can go to. There is a link to the charity. As I said, 100% of the donations go directly to kids needing access to education. I greatly appreciate anyone that's willing to help me help write to play help these children. So support there. If people are inspired by anything that I've said, please reach out. Um, let me know. I would really like to hear that. It's, I love the feedback. I like connecting. I love, just like yourself, you know, I, it's all about connecting. I love connecting with people. Please you know, pop in, say hi. Um, if, if you feel that maybe there's someone in your world that might get a smile or even a laugh, sometimes I get set in like inspiration or humor, you know, it, wherever I go. If there's people in your world that might, might benefit in some way from anything that I've experienced, please share, share my Instagram with them, share my story. And, and again, ask them to reach out because it's more about, it's more than likes, you know, it's more than just the Instagram stuff, but it's connecting. And I like to connect with people. So Instagram is where a lot of the insight is going to go. I'm going to have updates on the documentary as that comes out because the full story is going to be available on major network platforms here before too long. So there's that. Um, but also visit at joshditton.com. You can just add a, a sign up to the newsletter. Just again, pop in, say hi. Let me know. Let me know what your journey is like. I want to hear from people. I want to hear what, the, what their experience is. Anything I can do to help people in their journey. Oh, I yeah. love that, you, brother. You're amazing. I can't wait to see you. I miss you. Likewise, I'm, I miss you too, Phil. Very happy that you're on this planet. Well, everyone, you know what to do. You got to follow this amazing man and talk about him. Share. Let everyone know that he exists and what he's doing in the world. You know, you can check him out on his Instagram, go to his website, tell him your story, get involved, engage. We yeah. have to keep our tribe alive. And the way we do so is by having powerful conversations like the one we just had, as well as connecting with beautiful people. I love you all so much. And I'm so happy and so grateful to have had you in studio, brother. The oh. world 
grateful for you. And I am grateful on all levels of my being. And until next time, Tribe, we will see you later. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Goodbye. That was a great, amazing conversation with my friend, Josh Stinton. And for those of you in the world, I mean, ah, oh, I mean, talk about inspiration at a high level. When you're really living your life in the sole purpose of who you are and the way you're formulating things in your life, you realize that it's not about you. You realize that it's about the people. I mean, yes, it's about you in the present understanding of you being the vessel and the mind and the emotions and the wisdom that comes and carries through you. But when we take it off of us and we realize that the, the overpouring of us goes into others through our act of service, our kindness, our generosities, our willingness to see a better world, that's when we step in and really show what we're capable of doing. And I think it's beautiful how his grandfather was taking food and tools to the families who needed it. You know, I mean, what type of role model can you not want more than anything in the world is to have someone who's showing you how to be of service in this beautiful way. And the message that he got from that, which is literally, you know, understanding that his, his grandfather literally said to him that you, this, if, if, you saw, if there's a need, you fulfill it, you, you, you do it, you give into it. You don't just turn your back on it, right? And so it gave him this a beautiful ability for him to be able to step in and be able to see the opportunity to help. And, and always what his grandfather was saying was like, you have the opportunity, right? When we have the opportunity, I want you to hear that again. When we have the opportunity to help, we should take it. And I believe that 100%. There are times where I see like a woman coming out of the grocery store and I see her struggling. I'm like, can I please help you, ma'am? You know, we got to step in. We have to step in, not out, but in. And I think that's beautiful. And when he was a kid, he was inspired. And now you take it six years, you know, um, since then, right? Not since he was a kid, but six years since where we are now, right? He got this amazing opportunity to meet this amazing couple with this organization, Feel the Magic, out of Australia, who needed help with their charity. And he heard about the ski race across the country knowing that he never skied. I mean, how many people have jumped into some major competition without having no knowledge or know-how or our ability to be able to execute it and perform it in the right way? Because why? Because people want to be perfect. Everybody wants to be perfect at something, but they don't want to take the steps that it takes to realize that it's not about perfection, it's about passion and really getting into that space. And so what does he do? He Googles it on how to train for cross-country skiing. And he finds the company Roller Ski, which is out of Perth. And he begins to use these roller skis until he meets this woman who sees him constantly doing this because he's sticking with it, who happens to be a reporter, which leads him to being on the Today Show. And then the ski team of Norway sponsors him and literally allows him to be a part of the biggest ski team. Now, you got to understand what we're talking about here. We're talking about that the Swedish ski team called Vasalope, right, is doing the ski race and invites him to be a part of the honorees to come and ski. And that is a powerful, amazing thing. Now, the key element of realizing that why it's so powerful 
is because the steps that transpired from every step that he made. And I think that when we understand that that transpiring of every step that he made, there was a step that was brought to him. So spirit is always meeting you when you go in halfway. It's not asking you to just stay still and it's going to meet you where you're at. It's saying, take the steps and I'll meet you there. I'll be there waiting for you. And that's exactly what happened. And the more he took those steps, the more spirit showed up and said, here's the next thing now. And here's the next thing. And so before you know it, all of a sudden he's skiing cross country, you know, with this ski team, right, that is operating you know, this beautiful ski race in Vasalope with this Norwegian team, right, that he's skiing with. And this Norwegian team has invited him to be a part of this ski race in Sweden. And also realizing as well that he had no experience in skiing. He had no idea what he was doing, but he just made a decision to do it. And how many times in our life do we second guess ourselves, fight our truth, deny what we can do, or at least attempt the intention, the intention to do it because we feel that we're not perfect. We're not good enough. We didn't have the training. We don't have the education. We don't have this. We don't have that. We're looking for all of these qualifications instead of realizing that the mental mindset has to be in place, like Josh said, which is to love that negative voice to give love to it, to acknowledge it so that it aligns with your power, so that your power is the energy that moves you forward. And then also him being passionate about why he's doing what we're doing. And there's so many people in the world who aren't passionate about what they're doing. And so they don't realize that when they're not passionate about what they're doing, they're not being able to finish it, follow through with it, or see it to completion and move on to the next thing because they lost their passion. So I always say, find your passion by getting inspired, by feeling fulfilled. And that's exactly what he did when he saw what he was doing and why he was doing it. He made sure he was disciplined. How many times do we want to go to the gym, but then we go to the gym and we stop, or we want to get on a diet to lose weight, but we stop. We don't follow through. We don't execute it because we don't understand what the passion is. So the more we start to understand what the passion is, the easier and effortless it's going to be for us to stay in it. And when we feel like we want to quit, we have to go back to the passion and remember why we are doing it. What was the purpose for us getting involved? It doesn't matter because the more, look, people can say, oh, well, what's your passion about losing weight? Well, feeling good in your body, actually, so that you feel good in your body, feel good how you look, feel good when you put your clothes on. And when you go out in the world, you present yourself with powerful, positive energy. And that affects the lives of people. Hello. So again, realizing that the passion and purpose, right, comes hand to hand when you understand what it is that actually inspires and fuels that passion to become. So we step into an awareness of self that is operating from a different field of consciousness and literally understand that we have the ability to step into any situation if we know our passion. I also love the idea of the permission giving yourself permission to do something instead of waiting for someone to tell you that it's possible that you will succeed or that you're going to do well at it. Permission from you is the greatest permission slip ever. Not from someone else, not from your mom, not from your friend, not from someone you know that you met on the bench or outside in the world. No, I'm talking straight from you because when you give yourself permission, you are basically opening up 
everything in your life and saying, I see you, I love you, and I acknowledge you. And that's all you need from me because I believe in you and go forth and live and, and be merry. And that is a powerful, powerful proclamation. It's for us to give ourselves permission. Permission is a true soul proclamation because you're not getting it from anyone else but you. And I love what Josh was talking about. I really just need to go into this because the conversation was so lit. And I just want to go back to what I was saying is, would you read your life story if it was in a book? Would you read it? And then I added to that, what kind of book would it be? And I think you should write this down. And what message would you want left behind for your legacy? And also, what chapter are you on right now? See, I think being a golden writer, as I said it to Josh, is so important because if the more we begin to write ourselves into being a creator, write ourselves into being a master, write ourselves into being this powerful ambassador, we are creating change on the planet. But to be a golden writer means you only write with gold. You only write with words and ideas and things that are inspiring you, inspiring others, and lifting and shifting our global atmosphere. This is how we live our best life. And this is how we step into recognizing the power that we have as individuals to support a collective that grows a greater collective to unify our family in a field of love. I am so happy and I really encourage each and every one of you to go and find my brother and get involved in what he's doing. You can literally go to his Instagram and find him. Literally, you can go to his Instagram. I'm always on his Instagram checking him out because he is one of my dear friends. But check him out on his Instagram. Go find him. Get involved in what he's doing. Look at what he's getting into. These are very important things that we as human beings really need to take responsibility for in our lives, which is inspiring and connecting with people who are truly creating real change. You can check him out at Josh Stinson. I got to say it again, the charity adventurer. He's amazing. And I love my brother. I love him so much because he really cares about people and he really cares about creating positive change in the world. And he's not this person who's walking around. Like his whole thing, make it possible, is real. And his visions and his dreams to create a better world and a world where people are living their truth and honoring their truth and not afraid to do the impossible. As he said, he's one of the greatest inventors in his mind, creating things that he never thought was possible, like his new thing that he's doing, which is running amongst the clouds. Go support this new adventure. Be a part of his life. Send him a message and let him know that his story inspired you because I know it inspired me and I'm sure it inspired you. I love you all so much, Tribe, and remember how powerful you are. And again, like Joss says, what story are you writing? I love you. Bye. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, 
you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, Tribe, no matter what, stay lit.